The following live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati is presented by agamayoga.com. And continuing with the exploration of the moral and ethical levels of yoga, we reach today at one, which is a bit difficult to understand unless you have the good explanations. We come now to one level which is a bit unusual for the Western mentality. The third of the Niyamas is called Tapas, and while the name in Spain evokes delicious appetizers and lunch starters, in India, in yoga, in Sanskrit, it evokes something infinitely more serious and more abrupt. Tapas comes from the Sanskrit root tap, to burn, from fire, and tapas therefore means to be ardent, to be fiery. It's a kind of reference to an attitude in which one has so much fire that one says, I shall move a mountain and nothing shall stop me. It's a kind of attitude in doing yoga in which, as I was telling a few days ago to some one of you, the yogis have this kind of view, okay, I want to do, I took a decision to make two hours of yoga every day and then after three days I discovered that I'm getting weak and lazy and bum, I'm doing four hours, you know, I'm kind of getting terribly stubborn, I'm getting kind of fanatically stubborn to do what I want to do. This kind of ardor which says there is nothing in this world which can stop me and I'm going to fulfill my goals is precisely the attitude symbolized in tapas. To understand this point is a little bit difficult because you see, we the Westerners, because of our culture in the latest centuries, we have become what the ancient Greeks would have called hedonists. We are simply in the search of absolute pleasure. Our whole life should be an endless laziness. Uh, today, even if you don't have remote control to your television, has become a big problem because you know, standing up from a chair and going to change the channels with your hand is like a terrible thing. You forget that 50 years ago people would have considered that having a colored television would have been a luxury. But no, the mentality changes. That means life is tending to become more and more lazy. This kind of laziness involves this mentality that, oh, you should not search for trouble, you should not make things difficult. Well, that's exactly where the yogis beg to differ. They seem to say with tapas, if your life is too easy, make it a bit hard. That means give yourself some challenges, flex a bit your muscle. A little bit it's like that mentality which seems to say that if you grow in a glass house, you would be totally unprotected to intemperies. And the first time you will be taken out in the real weather, in the real frost, in the real wind, you will simply die because you are unaccustomed with difficulties. So basically the yoga mentality would have seemed to say, uh, create challenges, fight with some obstacles. If you don't have them, put them there. It sounds a bit paradoxical and that is why the Western life compared with yoga definitely is missing tapas. The people, this concept that you do tapas, whatever it means in practice, as you are going to see in a second, is alien to the foreign mentality, to the, foreign men, to the, to the Western mentality, 
it's kind of, uh, you know, you do an effort if you have no choice. I mean, okay, if you have no choice, have to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning and to do that thing. But for the rest, that you should decide out of your own sweet free will, I am going to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and do this and this, it's a little bit like a masochism, you know, like why should you do it? Tapas is a factor which is very often ignored. That means it refers to that function that we call willpower. Especially today, when there is no coercion of any kind in the administrative and educative systems, many people seem to suffer from a chronic lack of willpower. That means it's easy to dream that you will be a medical doctor, but when it comes to learning Latin names and chemical stuff, for six years in the university, then not many people have got the will to do that. You go, and then it's more pleasant to party, it's more pleasant to travel, it's more pleasant to do, and every time you sit in front of those thick chemical tomes, it's like your mind is skating on ice. It's kind of, you, you cannot do it, simply, you cannot put yourself together. That's why success nowadays belongs to a very limited to a very narrow margin of the population who mysteriously is born with willpower. If you are lucky to be born stubborn or with willpower or something, you will get through a college, you will do a lot of things, the others will collapse to drugs, to drink, to easy life, to traveling, to something, and it's kind of tough luck, you know, because the family could not teach them to have willpower, the school could not teach them to have willpower, and basically their only will is just to relax, their only will is to do nothing, or their only will is just to have fun, which is basically not much of a will. So in this way we are reaching to this mysterious quality that we call willpower. The yogis say if you have a tremendous willpower, you can change your destiny. People with tremendous willpower, Allah, I don't know, Napoleon or whoever, they changed history. So basically the point is that to do that kind of yoga which will make you into a Buddha, you must have also willpower because you will be tempted often to say, ah, no, not today, and not tomorrow either. This is kind of, if somebody has willpower, says, well, shut up, you know, I, exactly as I finished my medical college, you know, by putting my ass to work, in the same way I can put myself to work in this, because it is something which I want. Basically, it appears like if you don't have the necessary willpower, you will say, well, whoops, you know, I had a dream, but it stayed a dream, I never fulfilled it, because I didn't have willpower. Therefore, willpower is the power to accomplish things, not only to dream them, but to do the hard work. Yes, to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning when your body says, oh, let's sleep another two hours, and you say, no, 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 stand up, stand up, you lazy bones. You know, there is something to be done. This kind of capacity, some people seem to be born with plenty of it, and some people don't seem to have so much of it, and there is nothing in our educative system which teaches us how to get it. The yogis looking at the willpower, they discover some fundamental principles of it, which are nevertheless, which are therefore the very principles of success. Because the yogis say with willpower you succeed. Of course, if you put your willpower in a stupid direction, 
like you become the fermentator of an absurd revolution or whatever, you know, the propagator of an absurd fashion or something. Yes, these people are also stubborn and they have a lot of willpower, only that it's a willpower used in stupid ways or at least some people would say that is used in stupid ways. Let's not be judgmental on that abstractly like this. So basically, coming to our story, the point is that the yogis have said, first of all, willpower is a function which works like a muscle, exactly like the power of concentration. Willpower is like flexing a muscle. If you flex it every day, the muscle is fit and strong. If you don't flex it, if you forget to flex it, it becomes poor. Conclusion, you should flex the muscle of your willpower every day. Why? just to prove to yourself that you have still got it, that it's still alive. That means the yogis say every day, more or less, of course, that's a metaphorical thing, but yes, more or less every day, you should test your willpower. Like, for example, you are a sweet lover, have the sweet tooth, and you just say, okay, now I'm having the faint feeling that I'm getting totally addicted to sugar and sweets. You know what? Let me make a little experiment. For the next 60 days, I shall not touch sugar or anything sweet or chocolate or whatever. Nothing. Full stop. Why? Not only because it would be healthy, but also because I want to prove to myself my willpower. I'm smoking? Ah, forget about the ads which say that smoking can damage your health, and it will. I just would like to test myself if I am under the power of smoking or if smoking is under my power. So just to test myself, I decide today, today for the next four months, I shall not touch tobacco. After four months I am resuming again, but I am just doing it for four months. Why? Just to flex my muscle, to show myself that I can do it. In this way, the yogis say that the person who practices yoga does always acts of tapas. This is what tapas is, to give yourself a challenge. It's true, as you are going to see in a second, that that challenge can sometimes be absurd, ridiculous, and then although it is, technically speaking, a tapas, it becomes a ridiculous tapas or a useless tapas, or better said, an absurd tapas. But let's not jump, let's not anticipate. Coming back to our issue, therefore, the yogis say flex the muscle of the will. You need to keep your will alive because you will need it often. That is why you need to make acts of will. It is not an act of will to do something which you like, because something which you like you do out of your own desire. It's an act of will to do something which is neutral or something which might be even a little bit difficult to you such as waking up earlier one hour every day or quitting sugar for a while or tobacco or coffee or anything you feel you are dependent or if you talk too much shutting up for a while or what if you move too much stopping from moving or if you are lazy putting yourself to move that means doing things by pure will simply by deciding that you want to do them this act The second thing here with the willpower, and this is what gives the typical coloratura, the typical shade of tapas, is that the yogis have discovered that there is one more law which governs the functioning of will. And that is, if you will to do something and you do it, your will as a result of that is empowered and reinforced. 
That means every success of your will makes your willpower stronger. And every failure of your will makes your willpower weaker. That is why the yogis have said you should never decide to do something which you cannot do. Because you don't want to do that. If you decide you are going to quit smoking and don't, your willpower will be weaker and the second time it will be worse. It will be more difficult to do that. That is why the only way to do is to build your willpower with smartness, intelligently, starting from small things. If you say, I'm not going to smoke for six hours, and you don't smoke for six hours, somebody say, ah, it's a minor victory. What is not? We often forget about smoking for six hours. It's not, it's nothing. It's not true. It is an act of will. I said I won't, and I don't. That means I planned, and I fulfilled. In the book of my mind, it appears as as planned, as fulfilled. And therefore, my willpower, paradoxically, is growing stronger by such acts. And therefore, the yogis say you should start with whatever you want to start, which is fit to your status, but you should never go back on it. Tapas is not only acts of austerity, acts in which you push yourself to do something which normally you wouldn't do just by your own nature, something which comes from your own willpower, but it is to push yourself in such a way that you cannot come back on the decision. That means a tapas in yoga comes closest that you can speak, although it is not such a thing, I would like to underline it, but it comes closest to a religious vow. That means if you took a tapas, there is nothing in this world which can stop it. Even if the third world war stops, even if your mother dies, even if your cat falls ill, and even if the heaven falls on earth, you may not stop a tapas. A tapas will not stop under any circumstance unless you are dead, paralyzed or ill beyond redemption and you cannot move and you cannot fulfill your tapas. If you are in the physical impossibility to fulfill it, then it doesn't matter because you are, it's out of your hands. Else, a tapas needs to be fulfilled whatever the circumstances. Even if somebody says you are absurd, you do fulfill the tapas. If you took the tapas of meditating one hour every day, even if it is three o'clock in the night and you have been running through town the whole day and you are tired, you come at home and say, shucks, it's three o'clock and I didn't do my one hour of meditation. Well, you know what? Tough luck. You don't go to bed. You just sit yourself in a painful position so you shouldn't fall asleep and you just do one hour of meditation and you go to bed at four o'clock and next time learn to do it the first thing in the morning, not the last thing in the night. This is how it goes with the tapas. You simply will not bend. It's like you are making a complete inflexible decision and there is nothing and no one that should change that. That is why the yogis say if you don't feel up to such a tapas, you better don't take it. Because if you decide you will do that and you don't do it, your willpower will be weakened by such a stupid decision. Decide that you will do five minutes every day and stick to those five minutes for the next six months or whatever you decided. That will strengthen your willpower more than if you decide that you will do two hours of meditation every day and actually you never do it or you do it only from time to time. You have to fulfill what you said to the letter, to the minute. For example, let me give you, show you exactly how strict this is. 
let's suppose you take a tapas of fasting because fasting can be a healing method it can be a purifying method but it can also be considered the tapas why? because when you fast your animal nature says food, 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 let's eat you're hungry, I'm hungry uh, uh, and you say no, shit, nothing shut up, you know, I'm fasting 24 hours, no food, bum I'm doing it to purify myself or whatever but still it is an act of will after all then if you decided that you are fasting 24 hours you are not allowed to fast 23 hours and 59 minutes even that last minute matters for the sake of purification what would be the big difference between 23 23 hours 55 minutes or 24 hours almost nothing the purification effect will be the same but the tapas effect will not be the same the tapas effect makes that even in the last minute some little something inside your brain says, ah, yeah, it's almost 25, forget about 88, 23, 55, 24, what does it matter? No, for the tapas it matters. 24 hours, zero, zero minutes. More is okay, but less, not even one minute is okay. It's simply a principle of the mind. It's simply completely inflexible. That is why tapas is almost a scary thing, because Western people today they don't like to commit themselves, they lack this power of commitment, you know, I'm going to do this, um, maybe I'm going to do this, and if I won't like it, maybe I'll change my mind and I'll do this, this flabbiness doesn't work in tapas, in tapas you have to be made of steel completely, I'm going to do this, and I'm committed to this for 24 hours or whatever, that means it's almost a scary power to be focused on one thing, I think it was Napoleon who said, I'm afraid of the man of one book, the man who read one book in his life, that's the really dangerous one, because all his energy is focused in one direction. The others who are scattered in too many things, they disperse their power, and they will never become like a laser beam. The real power is that one of being focused. Tapas is exactly this, to have fire, to be ardent, to simply, if you decide something, to have this kind of enormous stubbornness that nothing can stop you. This is a wonderful thing actually and it develops an enormous strength in yoga and the yogis say always the one who does tapas will win unless he does something stupid out of it which is possible if he does intelligent tapas he will win it's impossible not to win through the power of tapas so basically tapas becomes a power in itself let's take an example of very logical tapas for example, you need to do some yoga practice. Somebody has heard, okay, I would like to reach the state of samadhi. I would like to reach the state of spiritual realization. What shall I do to reach the state of spiritual realization? Well, I should sit down and do the practice of meditation for a certain time every day, because you are not going to reach it by looking at the roof, unless you are born for it already. So in this way, everybody knows that people who reached states of accomplishment, starting with Buddha and whoever, and finishing with those in the 20th century, they reached by a steady practice. That steady practice involves effort. It involves tapas. Because very often can be put in the situation saying, shall I do this or shall I just forget about it and not do it? That means you need to have sometimes a willpower because your mind is a monkey and it will try to distract you as often as we spoke. So tapas is simply the key of success. 
It is the key of success in many directions actually. But the funny thing is that the yogis say modern people have no tapas. Sometimes some people would keep tapas for some superstitious, materialistic things. I mean there are people who are stubborn in some directions, but not in the yogic way, not in the spiritual way, not in the deep way. That is why in yoga there is a whole chapter consecrated of how to develop tapas, how to be ardent, how to do things with a lot of ardor. I remember that one day I, when I was teaching in Rishikesh in an ashram, there came a Baba who has been doing the practice of silence for 10 years, he had two more years, he decided that he will not speak for 12 years and he was just writing. And uh, this Baba was also very good in yoga, was a rare, rare exemplary because most of the others were just some arrogant hash smokers and some idiots. But this man was one of the very, very few that I met who was indeed the genuine type of yogi. And he had practiced seriously and he had indeed reached to some forms of samadhi. He could go in meditation and enter into forms of samadhi. I brought him in front of the pupils and I said, look, here is, I mean, if you look about examples, here is a man, for example, who has been doing, he will answer your questions if you have any. So somebody asked him, what do you have to recommend to us in the practice of yoga if we want to practice yoga to become like you? And this man, without speaking, he gave them a wonderful answer, which is exactly the spirit of tapas. He just gesticulated. He made, mm, 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 mm. This is what tapas is. Tapas is, mm, you know, uh, uh, this is not, it will not take you anywhere, in any field. Either you want to make love better, or you want to make money better. Uh, uh, it's nothing, you have to be, <coughs> this is what you have to be, in whatever you do. And this is exactly the spirit of tapas. You have to be completely firm. This complete firmness, ardor, belief in what you do, is exactly what tapas does. So what is tapas in practice? Tapas in practice is that the yogis say you should flex the muscle of your willpower. Keep it fit, keep it strong, because you need a lot of willpower in a lot of circumstances and for a lot of things. That is why they say a yogi should always challenge himself. Some people will say, oh, can't I just have a relaxed time? No, not according to this one. According to this one, if you stay too much relaxed, you will become flabby. You will forget about the tonus, the necessary tonus. Keep yourself tonic. Exactly as some people wake up in the morning and they do their jogging just to stay fit, you in yoga do the same thing. Now the problem is that tapas slowly, slowly, in India especially, it's in Tibet as well, but the, Tibeta, the Tibetans are less uh, hypocrites than Indians. The, in India especially where hypocrisy in spiritual matters has reached alarming quotes, quotas, tapas has become an institution, a holy cow. Everybody is exploiting it, at least for the sake of image. And because of this, Tapas has become in the Indian culture, unfortunately, from something which was very powerful and very famous, either something which is misunderstood or something which became hilarious. For example, um, even people from the countryside, and probably it would be true for Christian saints, would know or would assume that a person who is of spiritual dimension needs to make some tapas. Therefore, logical conclusion. If you don't do tapas, you can't be a spiritual person. 
consequence of this way of thinking. Many Indian Babas and especially people who are ashram leaders and so on, either for real or for not, they have to pretend that they do tapas, because if they don't do tapas, the peasants will say, eh, you are not a yogi, you are not a real spiritual person. And then they start doing it. Basically, in India, for example, tapas has become a method of reaching popularity. And the ridiculous thing is that it doesn't matter anymore if that tapas is spiritual, if it makes sense, if it is healthy, if it is meaningful, or if it is actually reasonable. No. The tapas should be anything which others cannot do just to impress them. There is a guy in India called Lotan Baba. He started his spiritual career to become a Baba, to become a respected one. Um, he decided to stand on one leg, like the Maasais of Africa, you know, standing like a stork on one leg. Basically what they do, you bend one leg back and you tie it up with a rope or something, and basically you stand on a single leg like this. For how long? You would not believe for how long. This uh, Lotan Baba stood on one leg for one year, full. That means day and night. In the night, you are just having a thing, a swing hanging from the branch of a tree to this height, so it's two ropes with a piece of wood, and you just put your elbows on it and lean a little bit on it like this. This is how you sleep. You sleep leaning on a piece of wood like this, but you are still standing. I mean, any one of you would try to stand for 24 hours on one leg, you would see what that means. You need to be not stubborn, you need to be mad to be able to do this kind. You need to have a willpower which is definitely above the average human condition. And Lotan Baba did it. He stood on one leg, he stood so much on one leg that actually the leg on which he was, because you cannot change it, it's the same leg always. So he stood on one leg until his leg got swollen because of the blood circulation and he started cracking, his skin cracked and he started having infected wounds. His leg was swollen like this and purple and bleeding and so on. The peasants in the village, they came and said, Babaji, we know you are a powerful yogi, you don't need to show us anything. Uh, please give up this uh, thing. Look, you are infected, you are wounded. It's only five months have passed since you do this. We know, we'll respect you anyhow, don't worry. No, no, Lotan Baba wouldn't stop from that. Uh, not only that he stood on one leg further on for the whole year, which again, from the standpoint of willpower, is a feat. It is something respectable. You have to take your head off because you don't have that kind of willpower. Not only that he did that, but in the last six months he improved on it. He, he realized that perhaps it was not enough and he simply asked to be fed only with grass, like a cow. He was being brought every day a bunch of grass and he was eating grass. So for, six for another six months, until he finished the year, he stood on one leg day and night and he had grass. When he finished one year, all the villagers came and touched his feet with respect and they said, Babaji, you are a holy man. The ridiculousness of it is that Shivananda or Ramakrishna would roll on the floor with laughter because they would say such a man is not holy. He is just enormously stubborn. He is having a huge willpower. Huge willpower doesn't make one holy. But see, this is how the Indians are, simple-minded at some things. For them the man was holy because he stood on one leg. Again, it's, on one hand it is good to laugh of such a thing, on the other hand it is not so good to laugh 
because actually you cannot do what the man did and therefore you should think wow you know are there such people well Lot and Baba had to do it again after a few years he felt he was sliding into oblivion and he had to refresh his reputation how did he refresh his reputation he was coming from southeast India a village in Andhra Pradesh and he decided to go on a pilgrimage Indians are buffs of pilgrimage uh, all the time they have some religious festival they stop work and they go on pilgrimage uh, where he should go on pilgrimage in Amrita in Amritsar in Jammu in the north of India near Srinagar at the temple of Devi. but uh, you know what Lotan Baba was too much of a special person to go in uh, pilgrimage just like every other citizen so he simply had to go by rolling the name Lotan Baba means the rolling Baba he acquired it because he started rolling on the road like a pancake like this put himself on the side and he started rolling on the side like this of course rolling 30 kilometers per day or something like this he got wounds on the elbows wounds on the knees and so on he kept on but you know what Lotan Baba was a very unusual person he could not roll straight to Amritsar because it would have been too easy he had to touch the whole India in his pilgrimage so he decided first to go to Bombay to Bangalore to Bombay then up to Delhi and then north of India he basically rolled some 4000 kilometers or something like this maybe I exaggerate but I think it was there about Lotan Baba took I don't know 7 months to roll up to Amritsar summertime, wintertime, monsoon time Roland, Lotan Baba with a bunch of 20 villagers who found nothing better but to come with drums and cymbals and to sound it on the roads so he had a whole uh, retinue of people with flags and stuff uh, Lotan Baba was rolling to his holy pilgrimage to Devi. he reached there, he came back, he was a very holy man this is an example of tapas turned into a ludicrous, ridiculous, absurd thing where the principle of tapas remains that means the man did it and definitely it was not easy but he did something which only reinforced his willpower this willpower as the name says it it's on Manipura Chakra it's tapa, fire, fire when you do tapas your Manipura Chakra becomes really strong but when Manipura Chakra becomes really strong also your ego becomes really inflated and strong the result is that people who do tapas absurdly they develop sometimes incredible amounts of ego and arrogance I personally have met people in India who bragged and boasted because that's the thing of it when you do tapas you have to ring the bell so that everybody knows you have to rub it in the face of everybody because else who will enjoy it right so I met people who bragged about all kinds of tapas and most of them that I met they were just arrogant jerks you know people of very unpleasant character they didn't have any spirituality they just had a lot of ego and basically they just wanted to rub it in your face that you cannot do what they did and by what they did they were holy some of them who were gifted by nature with less stubbornness they still had to prove that they were holy and therefore that they did something and then they had absurd tapases such as one Baba and I met a few who bragged about this bragged to me that his tapas was to keep a fire alive for 14 years now to keep a fire alive meant he had a big hole full of ashes and sand and he was bringing a log at the time a thick log he would light it 
he would sit in front of it and smoke chillums and do stupid things and by the evening time he would feed the fire with a couple of logs he would go to bed in the morning the fire will be a bit there there will be a bit of uh, embers under the ashes he would restart the fire and basically he bragged I kept this fire going for 14 years non-stop some people would say and so what? some people would say well it's an act of stubbornness I met a Baba near Rishikesh he had a real funny one his tapas was funny indeed that he took a, ve- a vow not to cross the Ganga for the next 12 years this left him with half an India to go to because Ganga splits India in two he never crossed the Ganga but he was free to go in all the rest of India and so on this he considered the worthy tapas and that after 12 years people should respect him because he did that some people became even more ridiculous I have met one he was busy with all kind of administrative things and he was a total social person his spirituality was down to zero he was a business maker a managerial person he had nothing to do with spirituality but he had to pretend he was a tapasvin his pretense was that he did the practice of silence because some yogis were munis muni mauna is the practice of not speaking this guy did mauna every day between 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. when he took siesta so he took lunch he retired in his room and then he was keeping his mauna basically the guy took a nap each afternoon and then he said he was keeping mauna for two hours every afternoon people because to see how credulous the Indians are they even nicknamed him Muniji the Muni the silent monk the guy was far from silent but he had to build up an image the Indian peasant are crazy with this if you are a, if you are a tapasvin if you do tapas you are a holy man you can be respected they will bring you donations they will believe in your holy powers and so on although most often it's a pretense this unfortunately has led to both hypocrisy falsifying, inventing ridiculous tapases, absurd things and it also has led some people of searching for tapas absurdly let's do tapas because else people will not respect us they did it for the respect of others perhaps they should have read the word of Jesus at some time who said if you are going to fast one day he said don't show to anybody that you are fasting he said smear your hair with oil wash yourself, look fresh and don't break to anybody oh I'm fasting today, I'm doing tapas because he said if people praise you you already took the payment for your tapas from the praise of people if you want to get something else from that tapas you better keep it secret because the tapas that you keep secret perhaps will not increase your ego will not inflate your ego it is good to do tapas but not for glory and reputation that is an absurd use of it the Indian story, the Indian lore therefore is full of tapas and sometimes unfortunately it is used absurdly people taking tapases not only which are absurd but sometimes and that comes completely out of yoga that is, I mean the yogis at least would laugh of those who do ridiculous tapas but there are some in India who do morbid tapas, sick tapas, mortifying tapas there are for example some of the Naga Babas these are already in the category of extreme ascetics one of their tapas which only the strong of the strong do is to destroy one of their arms just in the service of an idea 
the technology by which they do it is terrible. They just take one arm, they tie it like this around the head with a rope, and they keep it like this for, let's say, six months. Because the blood cannot circulate properly, the arm is simply shrinking and dying. It withers. It simply becomes dead. So basically, after six months, if they take the rope, it's ossified. It's not alive anymore. It just became a dry thing. You cannot feel it. You cannot move it. It looks horrible like this. But uh, the, the idea is, look at me. I gave my right arm to God. Am I not determined? I have seen such one in the Kumba Mela. I have looked in his eyes. This man had frightening eyes. He had a willpower. I don't know if I have ever seen so much willpower in the eyes of anybody like that guy. That guy, everybody was stepping aside on the street when he came. Had such an aura on Manipura. He was completely amazing. He had this thing like this. He was totally naked, smeared in ashes. He walked like a king in the middle of the street. And his eyes said very clearly, I gave my right arm to God. You are a bunch of no goods compared to me. I am not the guy who will do a family, who will do hanky-panky, who will open a boutique, who will run for money. No, no sir. I have given my right arm to God. I am completely dedicated to this thing. The idea is amazing and the accomplishment of it is totally ridiculous and morbid. Remember, the great yogis of India, Shivananda, Yogananda, Maharishi and many others, Ramakrishna, they have vehemently denied this idea of tapas. They said to make a tapas which destroys you is as guilty as suicide almost. It is a complete denial of the common sense and of the laws of the divinity. That is why the yogis are refusing this kind of thing. I have seen in India Babas to prove their determination, they were piercing their hand. They were just simply putting a knife to their hand and they were going with a knife, with a iron blade through their hand like this. They were just going and they had barbed wire around their arms. Like if you ask them why, what would this bring to your spirituality, to your meditation, they wouldn't be able to tell you anything. It was just an act of showing off and the kind of willpower out of control, simply. Uh, there are Babas in India, this comes on the ridiculous side, but again it's a mortification, who mutilate their genitals. For example, some of them, they stretch their penis. There is a bunch of Babas in India, they tie stones to their penis, and they don't stop until their penis becomes one meter long. And when it's one meter long, you can roll it like a hose and put it in a pocket here at your waist. So they carry their penis in a small pocket here and they can swing it like this, you know. And the idea is, look at me, you know, my penis is not for hanky-panky, you know, I can pee through it. That's the bottom line. My penis is a holy Shiva Lingam, I am a holy man, I am not doing it. It's ridiculous. Ramakrishna was a hundred times more holy than them, and so was Shivananda. And they never felt the need to mutilate their penis to show to people that they were uh, spiritual in any way. These are complete misapprehensions. They are complete mix-ups of things, misuse of tapas. I've seen in Kumbha Mela 1, not only that he was able to do all kinds of tricks with his penis on a blade of a sword, he was rolling it and put a guy's stand on it and so on. It hurt it only when you looked at it. But the, his eventual trick was that he could pull a van full of people with his penis. He got a chain, put it around his penis, and he was running like this. And he side behind him, he had a van full of eight people or something. He could pull it with his penis. 
It's ridiculous. You'll never see Paramahamsa Yogananda pulling a van with his penis just to demonstrate what? These are simply cheap things. So that's why tapas is becoming sometimes ridiculous. These people consider themselves tapas beings. In this way, you can invent any crazy tapas. For example, you could invent the tapas. Next month I am going to wear shoes which are two numbers smaller than my regular number. Of course it will be that painful and it will take a huge willpower to go one month with shoes which are that painful. But to what use? That is not a yogic tapas. That is an absurd tapas. And the yogis especially have been angry at tapas which destroys the body, which is mortifying. Even a Buddha who spent 12 years in the forest, after 12 years in the forest he discovered that what he did was not good. He said, I'm stretching it too much. This is like he was doing tapas, you know, like eating a grain of rice per day and things like this. And he said, it's not good. This is not reaching to enlightenment. I have to loosen a little bit up because else I will never reach. And the other ones who did rise, they said, ah, Buddha. He fell, look, he's a weakling. He can't keep his discipline anymore. But Buddha realized that he was doing a stupid tapas and senseless tapas. <coughs> Even the fathers of the desert, the great Christian ascetics from the desert in the 4th century and 5th century, when you read what they did, you are amazed. You hardly can believe that people on this planet, that human beings on this planet, could do such amazing self-discipline, such amazing acts of austerity. But they never forgot to say, if you do acts of tapas and buy it like fat, and by it you destroy your body, you are guilty of self-destruction, of spiritual suicide. You should not do, tapas should not be done to destroy yourself. It's not meant to punish yourself. There are people who hate themselves, there are people who dislike their body, there are people who have a bit of exhibitionistic willpower, and then they do tapas which is even ugly, destructive, and so on. That is not the point of tapas, that is not the tapas of yoga. That is why, in the papers that you received today, you have some beautiful examples of tapas, what is actually real tapas. Like, for example, you can do tapas by fasting, but you should not do too much fasting, because too much fasting can become destructive, self-destructive tapas. You can do tapas by refraining from speaking, and it is especially good if you are a chatterbox. If you speak too much, then refraining from speaking a few hours every a day, or maybe even 24 hours at a stretch, is a wonderful spiritual exercise, and people who refrain from speaking for 24 hours, they discover incredible value to speech, to words. They start discovering how much energy they actually waste by speaking, and how charged up and wonderful you feel when you shut up and you don't say anything for a period of time. You can do tapas by refusing to take something which is poisonous and unhealthy. For example, you decide you will not touch Coca-Cola for one month, or you decide you will not eat anything with white sugar for two months, or you decide you will not be a late sleeper and you wake up early in the morning and do some useful things, or you decide that you will refrain from too much salt, or you decide you refrain from alcohol for a while, or from tobacco, or from whatever. These are all wonderful tapases because they are purifying, they are healthy, and they are also a test of your willpower if you can do it. So the yogis say such tapas you should do. 
perhaps the most wonderful type of tapas that many yogis do is the yoga practice itself. You can do yoga practice as yoga practice, oh let's practice some yoga, but sometimes, especially when you know that you are flabby and when you know that you are in need of a little bit of self-discipline, you may practice yoga as a tapas. Not too much because you will break and you will break your tapas and that's worse than if you didn't take any. A little bit, you decide, I'm going home and home I'm distracted with my job, with a lot of friends, with my family, I'm sure I'm going to run like crazy through town and be busy with a lot of things. Okay, I decide, every morning before doing anything else, I'm going to do 45 minutes of yoga tapas, just to keep fit with my yoga. It's a wonderful tapas, it can save your day, because you'll know, I want to do this, and every morning you wake up and do it. And then, it will be very healthy, it will be good for your spiritual progress, and in this way, this is a wonderful tapas. Or another tapas, you decide, my energy is too low, I'm falling in Svadhisthana all the time, what I want to do is that I want to do 25 Udhyana Banda every day. Or why not 50 Udhyana Banda every day, because I'm a heavy type of person, and I tend to become depressed, and I tend to become confused, and I tend to become Svadhisthanistic. And I remember when I was in Thailand or in Rishikesh or wherever, and I did yoga, I felt very strong, very clear, very nice. I would like to stay like this for as long as possible. Right. I'm going home and I'm taking this tapas. For the next six months, I'm going to do 25 Udhyana Bandhas every day. This is an amazing tapas. It's wonderful. I would recommend such a tapas. It's lovely to take such a tapas. It sublimes your energy. It is healing you. It is increasing your inner fire. It is doing a lot of yoga and increasing your energy. And moreover, it is also a tapas and it improves your willpower. It's like to shoot many birds with the same bullet, with the same stone, as they say. So basically, uh, there is intelligent tapas, there is beautiful tapas, and in yoga we always recommend people to do it. We never recommend to people to do too much tapas, absurd tapas. There are people who believe only in tapas, they say, oh, I did tapas. Uh, sometimes such people cannot believe, for example, that you can obtain wonderful spiritual results for example, just by relaxing. They say, oh, you did yoga today? What did you do? You know, these are the workaholics of yoga. And they say, I relaxed. Ah, you relaxed? That's not yoga. Why not? Of course it is yoga. But it's kind of, they cannot conceive it because it's kind of, it's not work enough, it's not hard enough. Remember, it doesn't need to be hard. It needs to be a constructive tapas. That is why in yoga we say, yoga life, without tapas is not conceivable. I don't think you will discover ever in the history of yoga great yogis who did it without actually taking a bit of tapas, having a little bit of discipline. Even a great yogi like Shivananda and others, Shivananda for example had one hour per day when he was doing his meditation. Today if you go in Rishikesh you will still find the hut and the room and they say in this room Swami Shivananda did meditation one hour per day for 18 years in a row. That means it's a tapas, it's a self-discipline. The man said, besides what I do for my pleasure, and besides what I do circumstantially, here I take a little bit of tapas. I'm going to do one hour per day, systematically, every day. This is tapas. So in this way the yogis would say, yoga life without tapas, it's not possible. You should always challenge your willpower. Set up some challenges for yourself. 
try it a little bit, see if you still have it, either about diet or about yoga practice or about lifestyle or about sublime energy, something you should always do. Generally the yogis take limited tapas, it's like they take a seven day tapas, a one month tapas, a very typical interval of time in yoga is 50 days tapas, because 50 is a special number for the yogis, so they simply say, for the next 50 days I'll take this tapas, bon. then when it is finished, after 50 days they say, okay, now I would like to take another tapas, or maybe I should take the same tapas again, because it was so good, you know, so okay, for another 49, for another 50 days, I'm taking the same tapas, basically yogis would always have something, they would always say, okay, if you stop them on the street and say, what is your tapas presently? you will always find that every yogi has some tapas. He is having a little bit of a thing of his own, which he has decided to take it as tapas. Remember, if it is not tapas, you can play with it. But in the moment when you said, this is a tapas, it's like a magic. It becomes like a challenge to your own mind. It becomes like a challenge to the universe. For example, if you decide like a tapas, that you want to quit smoking, Everybody who I know who tried this, they verified this. It's the same if you try to fast and so on. Exactly when you decide you are going to quit smoking, your friends start inviting you with the most wonderful cigars and cigarettes for free. And it's like, you know, it's the luck of the pig because you didn't have money and whatever, and now you have the most extraordinary opportunities. And the funny thing is that if you collapse and you restart smoking, then everybody will forget about you the next day and they will not give you anything anymore. When you want to fast, exactly then there is the party of your best friend who celebrates their birthday or something, you know? And they say, I hope you are coming Friday on my party. And you say, oh, shit, not Friday. Friday is my fasting day. I'll fast on Friday, you know? Then you have a choice. Shall I quit my willpower and my idea of fasting and just go to a party, like every Tom, Dick and Harry? Or shall I stick to my willpower and the heck with it, it will make me unpopular perhaps, where people will say, ah, Michael is weird, you know. We invited him to a party, and he came, but the stupid git was not eating, you know. This guy is doing some yoga, his brain was, forget about it, you know. This is the thing, exactly. The tapas will always bring a kind of challenge, a provocation. In the moment when you set it up, it's like nature will test you. You will see, really, when you will try your first acts of tapas, that it's like it's becoming more difficult than it should be. You said, I thought it would be easy, you know? But then it's like, you know, something, a force of this nature, says, huh, really, let's see, can you, really, let's test you, you know? And then it's kind of, whoa, you know, it's suddenly, I never thought that it will get so difficult. I never thought that, actually, I never thought about this, that this will come up. Yes, it comes up, and then it's a big story. Do you resist or not? If it's, a ta if it's a tapas, you must resist at all costs. People who break tapas, they usually go exponentially. For example, and it has happened to me as well, it's not that it doesn't happen. Uh, let's say you decide, I'm going to fast on Friday. Just because if I found out that Friday would be a good day for fasting, and I need to fast one day every week for my own health and purification and balance and good. So I will fast on Friday. 
but I don't know what happened, I woke up in a rush, I ran to the university, I did something, on the way I drank a soft drink, because it was hot in town, and then I say, ah, oh, shit, it had sugar in it, basically I broke my fasting, because I cannot take sugar and proteins and things when I'm fasting, I can just take water. So I'm saying, ah, oh, I spoiled my fasting, stupid, careless, you know, I'm not aware, I just didn't think and drank, and then I realized, ah, but it's Friday, and so on. Then, when you do such thing, if you really are in the spirit of tapas, then you do it like this, you said, okay, I broke my tapas today, then next week I'll fast three days. Why? Just to punish myself, you know, just to show myself that I should not be unconscious and careless. I broke my fast this week, okay, next week I'm fasting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three days instead of one. Why? This is the law of tapas. This is how people who do tapas, this is how they feel. This is this ardor, this fire. When you have this fire in you, you say, yeah, I screwed up, okie dokie, you know, I'm going to show you who's in charge here. Boom, you know. Next week I'm just tripling it up. Because it's the spirit of tapas. So in this way, that's why in tapas you don't really want to, to break your tapas. Again I'm saying, you better don't take one for a while, or you don't take strong ones until you become convinced that you can do them. If you are not sure you can fast one day, maybe you fast 12 hours, you know, you just fast until noon. It's still a victory. I skipped breakfast, I skipped early lunch, okay, I ate only after, in the afternoon. It's still a little proof of willpower and that I'm consistent with myself. Later, after I did this for three months, once a week, Maybe I can dare to take it to sunset, you know, like the Ramadan, like the Arabic Ramadan. Okay, I'm, no, I'm going not to eat anything until the sun sets. So, it's a bit stronger, it's a bit I'm having more willpower, I can cope with this. So this is the spirit of tapas. I would like to tell you two more things about tapas, three more things about tapas, so you understand. In India and Tibet, they came to this conclusion that yogis, spiritual people, do tapas. They don't have a usual willpower. They have more willpower than the average person simply because they flex it every day. And if you did this kind of thing for five years, you definitely reach to have so much willpower that people around you are astonished. They say, wow, you know, these people who do yoga, they really have willpower. They really can control themselves one way or another. And it is true. And then there appeared this thing that, wow, spiritual people do tapas. And because of this, as I told you, this became an institution. It became to be exploited not only for the reputation that it gave. Ah, if you do tapas, we are going to touch your feet. You are a holy man. We respect you because you do tapas. Not only for this, but it got all kind of other values. For example, doing tapas has become the universal ignorant method for accomplishing anything. That means, when you don't know what to do, there is always one way of accomplishing still whatever you want to do, by tapas. Tapas is considered in India and in Tibet as having practically a magical value. You can obtain anything with tapas. You will find out that I don't know which Purana from India, the demon Ravana did a thousand years of tapas and he got the, from the gods the gift that he could not defeat it by any human being. So then he became like invincible. He got it by tapas. He did a thousand years of superhuman tapas. 
All the Indian ancient mystical literature and some of the modern one is full of tapas. I don't know which guru, I don't know which rishi, I don't know which yogi did strong tapas and got the power to heal with his hands or got the power to see the future or got the power to do this or that. Basically with tapas you get a lot of things. You read about, I don't know which rishi from the Vedic times, also just to see the opposite of it, who did intense tapas for I don't know what, and his tapas involved sexual abstinence, sexual celibacy, or tantric continence, by the way, is also a form of tapas because it's a form of self-control. So basically you can take that as a very constructive form of tapas to become tantric, to become continent the tantric way. That is a wonderful way of tapas. It's a very, very rewarding tapas. So, uh, so I don't know which uh, rishi was doing tapas and then uh, there came one of these nymphs, apsaras from the forest and she seduced her with his charms because the guy hadn't been touching a woman for the last I don't know how many tens of years and he got horny and he had sex and he screwed up his tapas. He destroyed 30 years of tapas and then he had to start all over from scratch. You see here the idea is very clear. When you do tapas it's like you gather good points. It's like you have an account in the bank and you put up good points in it, you know? And when you reach a hundred points you can claim uh, the turkey or whatever the prize is, you know? So in this way, basically the tapas is accumulating merit, is accumulating points in, the, in your account. And when you reach enough, you can transform them into a power, into a something of sorts. That is why it's paradoxical. Many people believe that first of all with tapas, you can accomplish even magical things and progress in yoga. In Rishikesh I'm telling them even the story of Ganga, the famous mystical river of India, is a story of tapas because Ganga, according to the legends, has been brought to earth by tapas. A king Bhagirata, he did tapas by standing on one leg for a thousand years. This idea with standing on one leg is not quite new. It's from the legends. This Lotan Baba, he took it from some other legends. So this guy stood, but not one year, he stood a thousand years, says the legend, on one leg, until he made Lord Vishnu appear in front of him. Many yogis would say, if you want to have telepathic contact with Vishnu, you can achieve it by using the mantra of Vishnu, the yantra of Vishnu, some other methods of yoga, opening the third eye. No, Bhagirata didn't know Raja Yoga, he didn't know mantras, he didn't know yantras, he knew one thing, tapas. Stand on one leg, and when you gather the necessary amount of points, Vishnu will come. So Vishnu showed up and said, what the heck do you want? So Bhagirata said, well, send the Ganga. No, there was a whole story. So Vishnu had the point. He said, well, I will send it, but Ganga is too powerful. If it falls directly on earth, it will split the earth and destroy it. So the only solution I can see is to speak with Shiva, and Shiva will get it on his head, and because he's a blockhead and he will be immune to it, and then the Ganga will flow through his long hair, like you see always in the Shiva images, that Shiva is having the Ganga coming from his hair. And then it comes softly on earth and it will be friendly. So now Bhagirata had to please Shiva so that Shiva should put himself into this job. So what did Bhagirata do? He did another thousand years of tapas on the opposite leg. It's as simple as that. That means you can always do it the stupid way, the hard way. The hard way of doing anything is with tapas. It requires only stubbornness and an incredible perseverance or perseverance. So basically, uh, this belief 
goes completely in the Indian lore. You want to achieve something, you can do tapas for it. This becomes even a kind of magic. In India people do tama, I'm sorry, tapas so that their crops should be healthy, so that their cattle should be okay, so that their child should be received in, uh, I don't know which superior institute of uh, engineering. Uh, you do tapas for anything, you know, women do tapas to get a good husband. I personally know a case, not in India, in Romania, ridiculous, there was a girl, she decided she wanted to try a fast. She decided to do at least 42 days of black fasting because it's a tradition that some prophets like Moses and Jesus himself, they did 40 days of fasting in the desert. So it's a kind of a typical thing to test your strength to go and so on. So this duration is not coincidental, six weeks. Six weeks is the length before Christmas, is the length before uh, Easter. It's a classical duration for some self-testing. So this girl did, but she also had a problem. She was in a relationship with a guy and she wanted to get that guy. So she simply consecrated her tapas, stupid girl, she could have consecrated it to some, to reach enlightenment or something. Now, she consecrated her tapas to get Eugene as a husband. They got married after one year. After she did this tapas, Eugene mysteriously agreed to be her husband. They are still married. They live in California now. Eugene turned into a total jerk. Their relationship were completely bust. Haven't had sex for 20 years or something like this. Uh, but they cannot get divorced. She's still married with a guy. They are having a hell of a relationship. They are still married. But the tapas worked. She got what she asked for. That means the tapas is a magical thing. It is considered to be working as a kind of sacrifice. When you cannot give anything, you can still give something. You can give your efforts and it will be like accumulating points somewhere. Uh, you find this all over in India. The ascetics and the yogis they say, I've got the power, I can do it. If I have willpower, I can do anything. Even in the famous novel of Hermann Hesse, which talks about a yogi's path, Siddhartha it is called. If you didn't read it, it's a wonderful piece of spiritual literature. Read it one day. In Siddhartha, Siddhartha one day he quits yoga and he wants to become a businessman and to get the most beautiful courtesan in town as a woman to himself. And people say, you are a fool, now you don't have any job, you don't have money, you don't have any skill, how are you going to become rich and famous? And the guy says, well, Siddhartha has learned one thing in the forest, because I can fast, I can wait, and I can think. And if I can fast, and I can wait, and I can think, then I will succeed in everything. This is the psychology of a tapas person. He says, I, I don't have food, I'm fasting and I'm turning my fast into a tapas. I can shut up, I can focus my mind, I can do a lot of things and I will win. I'm going like an arrow straight to the target. That is why many people abuse tapas in ridiculous ways because they consider it also a method of fulfilling anything. You can do a tapas. It is much more easy, for example, to do a tapas like to do Udhyana Banda or to do something which is therapeutical, yogic, intelligent, direct. The problem is that if nobody taught you Udhyana Banda or nobody told you how it works and what it does, then you don't know. And if you are ignorant, then you still have a version, you still have an alternative. That alternative would be called tapas. You can always do things by tapas. Many people, again, would consider that tapas is a kind of a last choice, is the choice of the ignorant. When you don't know how to do something, you can still do it with tapas. Some yogis would say, yes, it's true, you can do it with tapas, 
but there are also more intelligent methods of doing it which can spare you a lot of time and a lot of energy that is why uh, some people would say be careful, don't turn tapas into a universal tool because it is not quite such a universal tool sometimes it can be a very blunt tool to use for something which would have required more skill rather than a rude tool like that the other thing which, ta which uh, tapas is famed for is that tapas destroys negative karma which is an amazing thing because negative karma is the enemy, right? bad karma is what makes people suffer physically, emotionally, mentally yes, the Indian and the Tibetan tradition they say if you do tapas you burn karma the most illustrious example is the famous Milarepa Milarepa killed 35 people and then he did horrible tapas for 30 years and in the end he managed to burn the karma of killing 35 people plus and he reached samadhi and he was free of his crimes and he reached enlightenment and he became the greatest yogi so the idea is very clear you can do tapas to compensate for your misdeeds some traditions and texts in India are incredibly clear about it for example in the giant lore I found the text of purification of the giants the giants are a small religious group around Bombay area in West India they had a text for example in which they gave the expiation time of yoga for different minor misdemeanors and crimes example for killing insects killing a fly or a mosquito for them it involved five minutes of Udhyana Banda so they say you kill five mosquitoes 25 minutes of Udhyana Banda especially for you because you have to pay for killing five creatures of God which had a life of their own and basically it was none of your business to kill them since you couldn't give any life to them you are not their creator it's whichever way you take it it's a crime against nature you can still claim that yes but mosquitoes are nasty yes they are but nevertheless for killing one five minutes of Udhyana Banda please so in this way of course this can be an absurd thing but many people believe it literally in this kind of way that means you can do some tapas to atone for different crappy things that you have done or if you want another example where for example I don't know what I have done but let's say I'm discovering that I'm having a violent karma how can a person discover that he or she has a violent karma? very simple by the bitter life experience if at the age of 25 you have already suffered three times major surgery and five bone fractures and you've got on your body 25 different hideous scars you should ask yourself why the heck Michael looks as good as new and I after 25 years of life I'm scarred and broken and everything obviously it looks like I am more prone than Michael to physical accidents every day and all the time I burn myself I fall, I hurt myself, I scar myself, I cut myself, I break my bones, whatever I seem to be a magnet for accidents of this kind then the yogis would say it's logical to presume, to assume that okay I'm having a difficult physical karma for a reason which I don't understand maybe I've been just a Japanese samurai in my previous life and chopped a bit too many peasants in Japan and now I'm starting to pay through the nose so basically for a reason or another I don't know why but I'm having a heavy karma then some yogis would say there is a way to start compensating for it diminishing it for example you, it was recommended in some traditions fasting on Tuesday they said fasting every Tuesday 
it will diminish your violent karma. So in this way, the idea is as clear as it can get. That means some acts of tapas, they can destroy negative karma that because you work hard for it. I know, for example, a girl, just to give you an example, she was having a big stomach problem, which was about to become a cancer in the stomach because she was having stress, a chronic trauma fulfillment, this area in her became very hard and very painful and somebody who was very good at yoga told her, look, you are the kind of person who is prone for a stomach cancer because of your stressed nature and so on. So she said, what to do? And then this guy told her, you should, for example, start doing a, ta a tapas of Udhyana Bandha, because Udhyana Bandha energizes this area, it does you a lot of good, so you should do tapas of this. So this girl said, how long? This guy told her, I don't know, two years or six months, I don't know what it was. How many per day? Twenty-five or fifty, whatever it was. So this girl, she said, she started doing it. The idea is, on one hand I have a cancer in the stomach, and on the other hand I have twenty-five Udhyana Bandha per day for the next twenty-five years. Which do I choose? It's as simple as that. I can pay it one way by suffering like a dog and even perhaps dying from it. And the other way I can pay it deliberately by putting myself to work. In this way tapas was also considered even more. It's not only earning uh, merit and earning uh, glory and reputation, but it is a magic act and it is also a pair of karma. For all these reasons, Tapas, as I said, is quite an institution in India and Tibet. The Tibetans have been more serious about it, and when you read Tibetan yoga, it's impossible not to get impressed that some of the Tibetan yogis, they did tapas. Wow, you know, when you read, you think, wow, was this human beings or superhumans? You know, it's hard to believe. But yes, there was a lot of tapas in Tibetan yoga. Many yogis did formidable tapas, but unfortunately in the late centuries some people simply started using it histrionically, theatrically, playing it like a hypocrisy to make, to build up a face, a front, a reputation. But still tapas has become a kind of institution because it has so many valences. As a conclusion, because I could tell you many more stories, if you'll ask you'll hear them. Of course the papers of today, they give you a lot of ideas of tapas, forms of tapas, there are some which you have probably never thought about, read carefully to see what kind of tapas exist, what kind of tapas do yogis do, the healthy yogis, the common sense yogis, the balanced yogis, because again, you may hear about tapas which is insane or self-destructive. In yoga we refuse to hear about such tapas, it is considered as not being part of yoga, the great yogis, Shivananda and others, they denied it vehemently. They said, this is not yoga. If you do this, you are a madman, a self-destructive person, you are not a yogi. In yoga, we do tapas, we advise people to do tapas, but it should be nice tapas, yogic tapas, intelligent tapas, constructive tapas, measured tapas, not absurd and something like this. I must say that there are people who are born with a lot of willpower, and such people, if they do a little bit of tapas one year or so, they develop uh, almost a pleasure, almost like a, a morbid pleasure, almost to do tapas just for the sake of tapas. They don't see that tapas is an instrument. Uh, they do it because it feels so macho to be able to do it, and kind of, yes, you know, I can do it, who is like me? It's kind of, I grow in my own eyes if I am doing it, uh, I look good to my own self. 
but some tapas again will be necessary read the papers of today and you will see for this reason yes there is a recommendation of doing tapas and tapas is unusual to the western mentality because normally people would avoid this it's like a coercion it's like a self-coercion put yourself to discipline and also learn to be disciplined start with small things start with the five minutes per day tapas or something really small like I'm going to do three Udiana Bandas every day what is three Udiana Bandas? it's just three minutes okay everybody can do it I'm going to do this I'm going to do that and slowly slowly you will see that your willpower will increase and you will get to better and better measure of your tapas but generally in yoga they would do some tapas because of its multiple values the face value of it is that it increases your willpower and your Manipura Chakra it makes you more determined and a person who has done tapas you can always recognize them because people who do a lot of tapas they are basically not afraid of anything you know they just know that if they want they can do it you know they just know if there is a will there is a way this kind of people have tested their willpower and they know yes just if I decide I'm going to do it. For me the problem is just to decide. If I decide, I know that there is nothing which will stop me. While other people doubt their will and they say, yeah, I would like to decide, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to fulfill it. And No, not the people who do tapas. The people who do tapas, they never doubt their capacity to accomplish things, and that's a formidable thing. Well, a lot of things could be said. Let's conclude. Patanjali in his Yoga Sutra says by the intense practice, by the staunch, by the persevering practice of tapas, the perfection of the sense organs arises, which is a very twisted way of saying siddhis or paranormal powers. Perfection of the sense organs, it means that you see what other people cannot see, it means that you hear what other people cannot hear, it means that you feel what other people cannot feel, it means that you can grasp what other people cannot grasp, reach what other people cannot reach, and so on. Perfection of the sense organs under the name Siddhi means different paranormal powers, such as seeing the future, seeing the past, seeing auras, hearing subtle sounds of nature, being able to heal with your hands, being able to do this and that, all those mysterious paranormal powers from yoga. The yogis paradoxically say, the perfections, the paranormal powers of yoga are all the result of tapas. You do tapas, the more you do, the more you are heading towards this kind of things and the more they will appear. Because they require stubbornness, years of stubbornness, daily practice, so that you can reach masterliness. That's the bottom line of it. Patanjali says, if you practice tapas a lot, you can reach even paranormal things uh, control over one's structure which is exceptional perfect like in this way tapas is an amazing thing and it should be practiced again I am saying in yoga you will always find generous amounts of tapas although tapas should not become the only thing that you can do if you can do only tapas and that's the only thing to do According to the yogis, it's a bit simplistic. It's a bit that you are simplifying everything just to this one thing. Besides this, there is secret knowledge. There are secret yoga techniques. 
there is understanding of secret mechanisms of nature, there is a lot of shortcuts, not everything comes just from raw force. There is also, there are also intelligent shortcuts, and those are also part of the game. To reach to them, you also need to gain some merit. You are going to see in the lecture of tomorrow what the yogis believe about this access to information, how does the information circulate, and so on. I'll not say more, I have the clear feeling that I skipped the subject, that in the middle of this tapas lecture there was something I wanted to say and now I don't know why I forgot it and skipped it. It doesn't matter if it will come, it will come, if not it will probably be in the papers, if not perhaps your questions will take it out, I'll remember at some point or another. This is the lecture about tapas plus the papers that you have received. This was a live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati. For more information, visit us on agamayoga.com or go directly to agamayoga.com slash downloads.